The Truth News Network. A sitting president blames the unvaccinated for the outbreak of a virus, but the outbreak is among the vaccinated. A vaccine maker announces their 98% effective vaccine is nowhere near as effective as they claimed, and now booster shots for life. How does this happen? It happens in the absence of truth. TNN, the Truth News Network, brings it to clarity with Dan Newman. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to TNN Live, production of Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. And I'm glad you joined us today, especially because we have a really exciting guest on with us this morning, Pastor David Scarlett from up in the Cleveland, Ohio area. Good morning, Pastor. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. God bless you. I'm so glad you joined us today. Now, I'm I'm not going to say a lot about who you are and what you do. Um, We've teased this fact that you're going to be here this morning and told people a little bit about you. We've written a little bit about you. But I want to open this up for you. Let let me just just pave the way for you to start talking to us about the facts and things we need to know. Christians today, especially Christians, are really scared about what's going on in this medical world all of the so-called experts at the CDC and even doctors around the world, politicians all of a sudden, including the president, have become experts on healthcare matters. And the results that we're actually seeing play out on the streets of the nation and around the world don't exactly line up with what we're being told. And you, you and I both know that that just instills fear in people, especially in Christians. Um, We face a bunch of conundrums now. We are, in the Bible, we're instructed to pray for those in authority over us. Jesus himself said, render to Caesar that that is Caesar, and even caught a fish to get a coin out of his mouth to pay his taxes. So we're supposed to follow our government leaders, but at the same time, we're supposed to reject the things that aren't truthful. And so I got to be honest with you. I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm struggling with reconciling how to go in this. Can you kind of point us in a direction? And then I want you to tell us a little bit about what you've been doing in your ministry so effectively. Okay. Um, first, you know, this is a, a spirit of, of, of Jezebel. This is a spirit of the Antichrist. If you would have looked at the United States of America, Australia, New Zealand, 10 years ago, you would say, how could this Antichrist in the book of Revelation come on and come across the scene and put all these pieces and parts together? Well, welcome to the last two years. We are seeing it firsthand. This is part of a one world order that the Bible told us about. And we as Christians have had it too easy. The church has been a conforming church instead of a remnant church. And now God is separating the wheat from the tear inside the church. He's got to deal with his bride first, clean the bride. And that's what we're seeing. There, There is only a small handful of remnant pastors who are standing up and preaching the truth. And the truth is the absolute infallible word of God, not some man or woman behind a pulpit telling you what you want to hear. And that's where Paul is talking about in the end days, they would have itchy ears. It's the truth, the living truth of God. And never once did Jesus tell us to fear. 
And never once did we, he ever say, your whole life is going to be perfect. He said the opposite. He said, they're going to hate you because they hated me. But I overcame the world. And we can overcome the world in him. But we have to be active. We have to, we have to, we have to show up in strength. David literally had to take the rock to take out Goliath. He knew God was going to step in and take Goliath out, but he still had to take that action. And it goes back to Amos 3, 7. God says to his prophets, he says to us, he said, God, God doesn't do anything unless he tells his bond servants, the prophets first. So he wants to have a relationship in the heart with us and walk hand in hand with us and show us the future through the word of God so that we have that shalom and that peace. And we're not supposed to be fearful. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to be grounded in his word and do whatever he asks us to do until he takes us home. I have absolutely no fear. So, Pastor, here we are. Um, we've got moms, dads, even some kids that are listening to this show today, listening to you, and they're dealing with that fear thing, the uncertainty, who to believe, who not to believe. And I, I appreciate you started us at the Bible, which is the fundamental place we need to begin and end everything that we make in the way of decisions. Um, but but for the lay people out there that are just now awakening to the word that you just gave, that this really is the end time. There's, uh, there's a roadmap to all of this in Revelation, and it may scare you a little bit, but it's been around for a whole long time, and many of us in the church have been talking about it, but thinking it's something that's going to happen, you know, down the line. Our kids, our grandkids, not going to happen to us. We're living it right now. How do, how do you tell people that are hearing this for the first time or the second time, but hadn't been raised in it? You've been in this a long time as I have. Um, how, do, how do we make this part and live in it? You have to, it, it goes about getting rid of self inside yourself and, and going to the, the truth and the truth of the living word of God. I keep going back to the Bible because that's the, the fundamental problem in the church today only 10 percent of the church reads the bible and that's how you communicate to god and that's how you get that peace and shalom that's how you get that knowledge that and wisdom that comes only from him to know that he has it and he tells us never once does he tell us to fear it's fear not he comes out and says fear not because i go before you and we have to be we, we have to be willing to pay that price as christians because jesus's disciples paid that price and that's just that moment in time. Are you going to stand up and do God's will in your life? Or are you going to conform to the world? There's a lot of people going to church today. They're not saved. They think it's a ritual. I can go into my garage, but that doesn't make me a car. It's a love <laughs> relationship in the heart. Wow. And it's not hard to do. Most people think, oh my gosh, I've got to live a perfect life and not make mistakes and all that kind of stuff. That's not what it's about. You're talking about the fundamentals of trusting God, believing in Jesus, accepting him as Lord and Savior, and then digging into the Bible to find the roadmap and implement the roadmap in your life. And let me ask you this. As a, as a Christian, as a leader, as a worldwide minister, you run into all kinds of people. You run into all kinds of circumstances that don't, they don't fit the cookie cutter pattern that you may have originally thought your life was going to look like. 
and you're moving through these kinds of things, we're, as laymen, we are facing that right now, and we don't have all of those tools yet at our ready disposal. And I think the big thing that everybody I hear from and talk to that they want, that they can't find, is peace. How do you deal with a government that is cramming a vaccine mandate down their throats when they don't believe or don't want it They don't believe it's really what it's been portrayed to do. But then the government comes along and says, aha, you got to do it or you're going to lose your job. How do you you point people to some peace living in that right now? Yeah, well, it's it's a test. Life is a test. It's, It's boot camp. People always ask me, when will it ever get easier? It never gets easier until the Lord takes you home. But that's what we're supposed to be. That's what we're called for. Once we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, it's that will he has for us in our life. We have to execute that will of him, what he wants for our life, so he can say, well done, my faithful servant, when we're done. So to think you're going to join, be a Christian, and everything's going to be kumbaya, and everything's perfect, that's the opposite. That's unfortunately what the conforming church has been telling people for years, and that's the furthest thing from the truth. The are you there? I lost you. Pastor, did we lose you? Huh. No, he shows to still be here. Pastor, are you there? Well, shoot. Let's just hang up and dial him back direct again, see if we get him. I'm going to let you listen in to a phone dial here. <laughs> You're going to get this the, uh, the TNN way. Here we go. I'm back. We lost you. Yes, I don't know what happened. You just dropped off here. I, I know. Yeah, see, my phone was still going, and I just didn't. I, I heard you, but you didn't hear me. No, I didn't hear you. That's okay. Technology yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure there's somebody out there that doesn't want us to be having this conversation and airing it. <laughs> exactly. There's many people who don't, especially Satan. Satan doesn't want the truth of the Word of God to come out. Absolutely. Well, listen. Um, Take us through. You're out there. You're on the road. You do an international television show. 20 million people are looking in and watching your ministry and doing the things that uh, you instruct. Kind of give us a roadmap. Take us back a little bit. How did you get to where you are today? Well, I came. I'm the least likely person on the face of the earth to be a pastor. I was a Marine. I worked. Then I was a director of three Fortune 100 companies. I took a... I, I got botulism toxin and uh, had three near-death experiences, went up to heaven, experienced heaven, saw Jesus, and then God put me on a path to come back to say, I don't want you in the corporate world anymore, my son. I'm going to put you in a ministry called His Glory because it's all about His glory, not our glory. And that's, that's the path why I'm here today. How long ago did this begin? I took the, I actually ate the, the, the toxin, the food poison on 777, the seventh month of the seventh day of 2007. And that's when the, when he called, it was truly called the call. He called me out of the world at that point in time uh, to, to, to come into the ministry. And then after that, I had to recover and survive three near-death experiences and, and then go into a cave for many, many years and, le- and learn his word and listen to his voice and reach him in the heart 
So you just, you don't have a, a Paul moment and then you just come out and start preaching the next day. People forget that the Apostle Paul, once he had that road to Damascus experience, went into Arabia to learn the truth from God for three years yep. before he went out. And um, so that's what how God trained me to go out. So I have a, a military background. I later, a few years ago, found out I'm actually from the tribe of Judah as well. So I have Jewish blood in me. And then I had the corporate back background. So he said, I'm going to do this differently. I'm going to do it through the web. He, he came up with his glory, his name. He said it would be the internet. He gave us .me, .tv before anybody even knew what .me or .tv is. And prophetically, he, he, he gave us the blueprint every step of the way. And we were just obedient to follow what he told us to do, no matter the cost. Now, see you at some of these rallies, these uh, naturalist rallies, people that are pushing back. How, how is that going for you? Are you being received? Is your message being received? Yes, um, we do all these General Flynn. We do the green room for all these General Flynn um, rallies that are going out. And it's an amazing uh, mixture. You have patriots coming to these events, and then they're accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. But on the other hand, too, you have Christians that are coming here that have no idea about our Constitution and how important it is to stand up for our Constitution. And the two are merging together and becoming stronger and stronger and stronger every one of these events. What we do is we do altar calls at these events, and then we do baptisms. And we also pray over people for anywhere from two to three hours each trip we make. We've baptized over 1,500 people so far this year at these rallies. Wow. General Flynn is quite a guy. He's been on the show here with us. Uh, he's, a, he's a fan of ours, and we're a longtime fan of his. Who else have you been on the stage with? Uh, you name it, I've been on the stage w- with them all, everybody that goes to these events. Uh, Clay Clark, all the doctors, Dr. Simone Gold, every every frontline doctor that's out here telling you the truth, we've had on his glory, we've had in the green room, I've been on stage with. General Flynn will be back. He comes on every month uh, on his glory. He'll be back with us Tuesday. Uh, it's just an amazing event. And it's not a, what's really good about this, it's not about the speaker. It's deeper. Yeah. It's about the love of Jesus Christ. And the, the humility behind the scenes of these speakers is absolutely amazing. You'll see them go on stage and tell and speak, but behind the scenes, we're all huddled up together and praying in corners over each other. It's absolutely beautiful. Let's segue into the medical piece of this. This is, the, I guess, the 900-pound gorilla in the room right now. Every day we're being bashed with it on international media about vax, 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 and uh, COVID-19, the, the the falsehoods are just rampant out there. We can't believe our government. We don't know who to believe. Where do you, when you when you minister to people, where do you fall down in line with the messaging that you're giving to them about how to get through this? Well, my, the messaging I give to people about uh, the, this vaccine mandate is you got to go to the Lord for discernment, but we can show you that what some of these pastors are telling you to take the take the jab is absolutely against God's precepts and commandments. What the government is doing to force you is uh, is against the Constitution. It's against the Nuremberg Codes of 1947. So we have to step up in for truth. And now the more research that comes out, it's even sicker and more perverse. We're seeing the the the, the, the fetal tissue of an aborted baby in these jabs. 
And that is an unequivocal truth that they're trying to hide. So even just that aspect alone as a Christian should be no to that. Even the information we get on a daily basis, we reported here yesterday, it comes out of the uh, United Kingdom, doesn't come from anybody here in the United States, not from Dr. Fauci or Dr. Walensky at the CDC. 52% of the people in the UK that died, diagnosed, cause of death, COVID-19 in September, 52% were fully vaccinated. We're finding yes. out yesterday, uh, Governor Hogan up in, I believe, Maryland, he announced yep. that 40% of the deaths last month in Maryland were among fully vaccinated people. So there's a lot of fear and, uh, and, and, and pain and agony in the unknown and the unexpected. And Pastor, a whole lot of people have been vaccinated and now they're finding out that it wasn't a great idea to do it. How do you reconcile? How can they reconcile what to do about it now? Take it to the Lord. And there there are, uh, the Lord is the great healer. And there are some really well-known doctors that are putting some, some protocols together that, that help you get through, get, get this, these toxins out of your system. They have been on his glory. A well-renowned general who comes on his glory every month, took it, took the jab without knowing. And he's gone through this protocol and is feeling much, much better. And there's a lot of people, like you just said, have taken it and are have huge regrets. And um, pray, and the Lord will heal. No poison, no poison can attack his children if we get in the right place with him. That's that's what we're told, and I, I we got to believe it. Um, yep. Give us a prediction. Give us a prophetic word about where we're headed. We're heading in to the greatest revival and the greatest time in world history. We're on the precipice. That's why it's pushing so hard. It's always the darkest before the light. And the light of Christ is coming. And we know it through scripture. We can feel it in the spiritual realm. We can feel it. We see it in the physical realm. God is going to break through and create a Red Sea moment. But those Christians have to be ready for this event because this event is going to be a short window. And this short window is to bring everyone from east to west and north to south to know our living Savior, Jesus Christ. That's knowing the heart of God. He's going to give this great Eagle Nation one more chance to be that beacon of light, his light for the world. So do not fear. Find what the will of God is in your life and and lean in because this is the time we need to be David's. Pastor, tell us, tell all of our people from uh, other parts of the world and around the United States that are listening in, how can they plug in and get more information and keep up with what you're doing? You can reach us on www.hisglory.me and we are going to be launching a, a new site as well, www.hisglory.tv, where we'll be doing Christian and Patriot movies uh, on that particular site. But that's the best way to reach us, www.hisglory.me. And then we are on all social media networks, but we had to, because of censorship, build our own uh, network, our own servers to protect us from the, from, the, from the evil that's out there. There you go, folks. Dr. Pastor David Scarlett with us today from Cleveland. Pastor, 
You come back here anytime. You can get in touch with us. You don't have to wait for us to reach out to you. Thank you so much for sharing what's on your heart. Love you giving us the synopsis of where you came from. And you know what? Being a Christian, folks, you don't have to be uh, somebody that goes to seminary and spends years in learning the Bible and all that kind of stuff. It's not about that. It's about a relationship with the Creator. You can do that right now. You can do it anywhere. And uh, it, it's about a relationship with, with God. And relationship means you talk to somebody and you listen to somebody. Pastor, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thank you so much, and God bless you and every one of your listeners. Give my Light be- wins. Give my best to General Flynn. Tell him uh, we really appreciate him and thank him for being out there doing what he's doing with you. I certainly will. Thank you, and God bless you. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Pastor David Scarlett from Cleveland checking in with us. And, folks, he is uh, he's plugged in. He's the real deal. He speaks in his television show to about 20 million people every day. And you heard him. He's heavily involved in all of these movements and conventions and uh, I guess what, what, I don't even know what you call them, these meetings they have that are drawing 20, 30, 40,000 people, people that are afraid, people that don't know what to do, where to turn to get answers about all of this stuff. And it's not just about COVID-19 and vaccines. It's pretty much about everything. There's so much uncertainty around us. I actually did an exchange back and forth this morning with Representative Adam Schiff, who tweeted out yesterday just blasting Republicans in the Senate that stopped even debate on the floor of the Senate over that bill that they are pushing to federalize all of our elections. And he just blasted Republicans for not caring about everybody getting the right to vote. It was all a bald-faced lie. They want to take over at the federal level everything to do with elections, not to make them fairer, but to take control. Big government, more control of the American way of life. And my, I confronted him. I called him out. I said, no, what actually happened was you and your fellow Dems were trying to unconstitutionally take over the election process so it could be controlled. It's unconstitutional because the Constitution very plainly dictates that states are in 100% control of their elections. So let me just say this. Pastor Scarlett laid it out there. You start with a relationship with Christ. you got to have that. If you want peace, if you want comfort, if you want to be able to get answers to things without having to just turn on the news and find somebody that you hope is telling you the truth, start with a relationship with God, which means ask him into your heart and then communicate with him, talk to him. Great way to do it is when you're riding in your car, everybody does it. You're in the car, normally you're listening to music or news, turn the volume down and just talk to God and then listen. You'll be shocked how many times you get answers. (laughs) It's kind of like talking to your spouse. There's a big difference between talking with and talking at somebody. (laughs) I think everybody gets that. So we're we're glad to meet Pastor David Scarlett. We're glad you uh, joined in for those few minutes. 
Folks, we've got an hour and a half plus here of stuff that you need to know about that's going on in addition to what you just heard. We're going to get right to it right after this. Hi, I'm Greg, owner and founder of Steel Frame Spots. Due to unusually short fingers, which are a characteristic of my family line, I was unable to play spots at the elite level I would have liked to. Instead, I invested my energy into getting you the lowest prices possible on athletic gear. Unlike the local sports teams, you can count on us every year. I fight every day to get you the best deals. I'll never drop the ball on prices, and that's because low prices and my customers' happiness are not affected by the short fingers mentioned earlier in the advertisement. Just remember, when the game's on the line, who do you count on? Steel Frame Sports. That, that's who. Uh, uh, check out our ad in the Weekly Nickel. <laughs> What does it feel like to drive a cloud? What does it feel like to steer a river? What does it smell like to smell a mountain? At Jubilee, we're committed to letting you do the impossible. And now we've succeeded in letting you drive the undrivable. The Jubilee Dementia. The car engineers said shouldn't be made. Test drive one today and experience what scientists for decades claimed was beyond the realm of safe driving. Jubilee. Be reasonable or be fast. Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha. Night, night. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Is the insanity making your head spin? Okay, let's sit down and figure this out. Together. Again, Dan Newman. So much to figure out today. And I want to say this. Thank you for sharing your day with us. We don't take you for granted. We don't take the fact that you're here every day. We don't take that for granted. We, uh, we, we wouldn't be here if you didn't want us to be here. That's what Truth News Network is all about. We established it about three years ago, this show about a year and a half ago. And uh, got to be honest, I was hesitant to do either one because it is a tremendous commitment. It takes a lot of time to put all these moving parts together, but um, felt like we needed to do it. And uh, it has been received by a lot of different people as being an outlet to go get some kind of semblance of truth in the middle of all the chaos that we all face. And speaking of chaos, I wanted to start this segment of the show today telling about something that I just went nuts when I heard about. You know who Joy Reid is. She she is an MSNBC host, and uh, just a background perspective on her, she's very, very smart, very intellectual African-American woman, and um, she's very, very politically hardcore left. On MSNBC, her daily show is The Readout, and Reed is spelled R-E-I-D, which is how she spells her last name. And yesterday... She had a guest on, and she made a little slam that I thought was pretty telling. 
she said that the Republican Party does not believe that, and I'm going to quote her, non-white voters have the right to choose the president of the United States. Again, she said the Republican Party doesn't believe that non-white voters have the right to choose the president of the United States. So she's talking about Representative Liz Cheney trying to appeal to her fellow Republican colleagues to take the January 6th riot investigation seriously. Reid said, it's beyond clear to me she's arguing to the ether. E-T-H-E-R. Seriously. She continued, Reid did. We have to stop thinking about this as Republicans being in denial about how bad January 6th was and start thinking of it as them thinking how good it was for them and that they have divorced themselves from the idea of a multiracial democracy because a multiracial democracy means when people who look like me vote for somebody, that person can be allowed to win. But what they're saying is, no, that person can't be allowed to win. Only the people that they decide should be allowed to win can. That is the opposite of believing in multiracial democracy. That's the same problem we had after the Civil War. I feel like we still have it. And she wasn't done. She added this. The Republican Party, they don't believe, they do not believe that non-white voters have the right to choose the President of the United States or any other officers. I don't see any other way around it. Now, the obvious conclusion in what she said is out there. I'm not even going to address that. Let me tell you why this struck me. It struck me that there is somebody that is a minority very, very well-educated, very smart, very intellectual. Somebody that would go so deep in the tank to concoct this, this whole thought process, and make it about one thing and one thing only, it's racism. That's what she is speaking to, but she won't use the R word because then it would put her... In her mind, it would put her in the category of being somebody just in the tank that's non-intellectual and nobody would believe what she said. So she wove this web to explain some way to denigrate members of a political party. Now, that's a long explanation of what's going on there, but folks, there are tens of millions of people in this nation that feel the exact way as does Joy Weed. And none of it is based on any facts. It's based on the idea that skin color controls every thought that every person on earth has. And that every person that is of a different skin color than is the person that's speaking automatically is racist and looks at the speaker as somebody being less valuable and less worthy than they are. And I'm going to finish this particular thought by saying this. 
hearing Joy Reid say this and actually understanding she really believes that the entirety of one political party, again, 60 to 70 million Americans, hate her and don't want her to even have a voice in electing any of our national and even local and state leaders. It's unbelievable that someone would paint that picture and put it on my face, put it on the faces of everyone who is not African-American or that subscribes to conservative values, that just because they are conservative, just because we, me and others, or conservatives means that we don't believe that Joy Reid and anybody of her skin color has a right to pull a lever to elect a person at all to any kind of office. This didn't just pop up, folks. This has been developed not over years, not over decades, over generations of people. And where it comes from is a hunger, a desire, a calling to be more powerful than others. It's that simple. And that doesn't bear skin color. It doesn't wear a specific or different types of ethnicity or religious backgrounds or nations of origin. That is pervaded throughout humanity. That same thought process, it's alive today in a deep, dark jungle in Africa among a group of natives there. The same thought process is in New York City as is in Paraguay or the Caribbean. It exists where humans exist, folks. But what most people throughout history have done is found a way to reconcile that fairness and equality is not automatic. Did you get that? Fairness and equality is not automatic. It is developed through time. It's developed through discourse with others, finding differences, finding ways to work with and through and around the differences that we have with other people, recognizing that we may not agree on something or many things, but that we as humans, as intellectual beings, we have the right, we have the ability, and we have an edict that declares that we find ways to interact with each other in spite of our differences, rather than pushing back and refusing to react because we don't want to accept others' differences and make a way to work together. In my company of 28 years, we hired a law firm to do our employee handbook, I guess you can call it. It was never a printed handbook. We just put it on our computer servers. But I kept the right to author one segment of that employee handbook, and it was dispute resolution. When people in the company have odds with other people, rather than let those things build and grow, and rather than handle them like Joy Reid was talking about handling them with Representative Liz Cheney, 
who's a Republican. Rather than do that, we had a dispute resolution process, and guess what it included? Communication between the two people, or the three or four or five or however many it was, that disagree with each other about one thing or many things. But the one goal was not to denigrate anybody that had a difference or a problem with anyone else. That never reaches any type of resolution. What the requirement in our company was and is, is if you've got a problem with somebody, you get together one-on-one behind a closed door and discuss it. Explain each other's position. No screaming, no blaming, no finger-pointing. Explaining how you feel and why you do or don't do what you do or don't do to the other person. And maybe at the end of that, the only reconciliation is we'll just have to agree that we're going to disagree, but we're going to work together professionally and get along even though we have that one difference. That's a novel idea. Obviously, Joy Reid would never make it in my company because she obviously doesn't subscribe to that thought process. It's just demonize anybody and everybody with which you have a differing opinion on politics, and in this case, elections. And I really feel sad for anybody that labors under that thinking. That thought process will drive you crazy. You cannot find happiness and any joy in your life when you look at everybody with whom you interact as being one of those people, whatever category you put people in. Instead of just recognizing people have differences, but people find ways to get along within the differences. You may not ever reconcile everything and find agreement on everything, and that's okay. Just agree on this. I'm going to respect your opinion and your right to have it. I want you to do the same for me. I'm not going to denigrate you in any way for thinking different from me, and I expect the same from you. And just stop right there. Why can't we do that, folks? It's because we don't want to do it. We can do anything that we set our minds to. Look back in your rearview mirror at what you've accomplished in your life. I doubt many people listening in this morning are in their teens. I know there are a bunch of middle-agers, and I know there are people that are up there with me. When I look back in my rearview mirror, I see a bunch of bad choices I made, mistakes that I made in my life. Thankfully, though, none of those I did purposely to hurt someone else, but I still hurt them. Very seldom do we make decisions in a vacuum that don't impact those in our lives. I mean, when you when you get married, you've got a wife, a husband. You, you've got children in it. You have, when you be, got married, you brought in a whole other family of in-laws and relatives and all that kind of stuff. People are going to get hurt just because people get hurt. You're going to get hurt just because people get hurt. But we can't just stop right there and let the hurt devour us for eternity. Resolve it, folks. Get in a room one-on-one, even if it takes putting on boxing gloves. (laughs) Uh, Get resolution, folks. It's about finding ways to live with 
other people who have differing opinions, but finding ways to make life work. We can do that. And we don't have to put other people down. There is not, this is not, this world that we live in is not a zero-sum gain on goodness. It's not like somebody who had the bucket with all the goodness there is and poured it out over here and didn't pour some out over there. And so to get some goodness, I got to go steal it from who got it over. It doesn't work that way. Goodness comes from within. Joy and contentment comes from within. How does it get within? You find ways to put it in. Sadly, you find, and I find sometimes, ways to block it and keep it from coming in. We got to stop doing that. I got to stop replying to a tweet of Adam Schiff, (laughs) although what I said to him was truthful and I just wanted to put it out there, not so much for him because he's not going to change his mind. He's not going to reconcile what I sent to him. Maybe he will. I don't think he will. We've traded jabs in the past before. But that's not the point. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's two th- separate things, folks. Knowing and doing are two different things, completely different. They go hand in hand if we allow them to go hand in hand. But if we don't, it's not going to happen. Think about that today. I just got a, a text from a long, a long, long time friend who's listening into the show this morning, John Mauser. Man, what a great man he is. Young man. I was a mentor and have been in his life, especially the last few years. He's one of those guys that he had a rough start getting it going. He had a rocky road, but guess where he is now? He's got a great family, wife, kids, great job. He's a very creative guy, and he loves God. He's listening in, and he's encouraging me. (laughs) That's what we do, folks. That's what it's all about. Break the mirrors that you've created as the walls that you live behind. When you, when you live in a cube, I've, I've explained this before. I don't know where I first got this thought from. It's almost like humans where we have become as we erect this room in which we live and the walls are mirrors, the floor is a mirror, the ceiling's a mirror, and all we see are ourselves. And so we'll, every once in a while, we'll open the door and let somebody come into our room of mirrors and live with us, but then they're in there with us too and all they see is me and them. What we got to do is realize there's a whole lot of folks that are outside our room of mirrors. They're not seeing us the way we see us and we don't see them at all. Break out the hammer and break the mirrors and begin living. That's what we got to do. You want to get in a little bit of the political muck You'll feel dirty after today if you do, folks. Yesterday, the White House ridiculed any Americans' concerns about the shipping delays, and they used the term in the White House press briefing, shipping delays for treadmills and other products as supply chains and shortages continue to plague us from border to border, ocean to ocean. 
Jen Psaki was asked by New York Times reporter Michael Shear about the shipping delays for products like dishwashers and furniture and treadmills and why Biden acted slowly to solve known problems in the supply chain. And of course, Saki responded sarcastically, as she often does. She said, the tragedy of the treadmill that's delayed. That's not a good answer, not from a representative of the President of the United States. Scheer then asked why Biden failed to act sooner. And Saki argued that there were a number of reasons for shipping problems, citing more online shopping as one of the... Can you believe that? She actually brought that up. That makes no sense whatsoever. Online shopping, folks, when you buy something online, which we all do, it doesn't automatically just poof, and it's on your doorstep. It has to be shipped. So online shopping hasn't caused any of this craziness and getting stuff shipped. More people are buying more goods, she said. People have started to buy things online rather than going into stores. Duh! Amazon didn't yesterday become the biggest company in the United States. It's been happening for decades. Online shopping didn't just begin. And she continued, I think the important thing to understand here is there are multiple issues. And she never answered the question, why did Biden wait so long to address the issue? Sadly, folks, sadly, that's happening again and again and again, over and over and over. No accountability. You can't fix a problem unless and until somebody that has the capability and the responsibility to tackle it steps in line and gets after it. And sadly, folks, it's still not happening. This administration is still not addressing this supply chain issue. I guess you heard what else happened with the president. He brags about running the most pro-union administration in history. And why is he saying that? It's because they give him millions of dollars in his campaigns and always have. He is in the tank for unions. He comes out and says it all the time. But guess what he won't do? He will not admit that the longshoremen's unions are holding us hostage today. And how are they doing it? At these ports, you see now all the stories coming out, the pictures of the ships offshore in L.A. and other ports on the West Coast and Houston and New Orleans because they can't come ashore and unload. And the longshoremen are holding the nation hostage. How so? Listen to this. They're refusing to allow the use of automated equipment to unload the container ships and get the goods onto trucks faster. Biden won't talk about that. He didn't bring it up. He's never said one thing negative about this happening or even acknowledged that a big reason for it is the unions. We're the world's largest importer. But our major ports at Los Angeles and Long Beach rank 328th out of 323, respectively. In other words, L.A. is 328th on the nation and international port list. 
Long Beach is 333. That means nightmare inefficiency worse than most developing countries. That's something that could be handled by a president who had a meeting. But then, here's what's happening right now, and it's really bad. As I say this, I'm looking at a picture down a Nile in a major national grocery chain, and folks, I'm looking at the shelves. This particular aisle on one side of the aisle, the picture doesn't show both sides, but on the shelves there, they're probably 90% empty. People have begun hoarding. That's according to Adnan Durrani, who is a frozen and preserved foods producer. Durrani also explained they changed procurement habits and are keeping about four months' supply on hand instead of the typical one or two months. In this regard, several of the big food producers and distributors recounted their experiences and how they were adapting in the face of this supply constraint in the stores nationwide. I never imagined we'd be here in October of 21 talking about supply chain problems, but it's a reality. Now that's according to Albertson CEO, Vivek Sankaran, adding on a, any given day, there's going to be something missing in our stores and it's across all categories. In fact, even schools have had to adapt their strategies to cater to feed students. Since the start of school, we've had problems with the supply chain for different items, said Denver Public Schools Food Services Executive Director Teresa Hafner. It keeps popping up, she said. It's like playing a game of roulette. For his part, National Grocers Association Senior VP of Government Affairs and Council Chris Jones described his perception of what's going on. There's a lot of food in the supply chain, but some items may be harder to get at certain times due to labor shortages across the country affecting manufacturers, shippers, and retailers. He also mentioned that poor enforcement of antitrust laws has led to differences among retail distributors. The situation has allowed dominant retailers. Can you think of any of those like uh, Amazon and Costco Walmart, they get more favorable terms and ample supply of high-demand products while leaving many smaller retailers with limited selections or in some cases empty shelves. We told you the story about when this all began. Walmart, a couple of their execs flew to the port of Houston, went down there, and they had ships that were trying to get in the Gulf Coast at uh, Houston and New Orleans to ship their products all across the South and the Southeast. They paid the Port of Houston $150 million up front. They cut a deal, and their deal is when our ships ships come into port, when they get here, you move them to the front of the line. I live in the South. I shop at Walmart. There's not a Walmart around here that has any shortage. Why is that? Somebody used the system to fix the problem. That's not what happens in this administration in D.C. I, I can just point to one thing, and I'm not, I'm not going to go far into this, but can you imagine if Donald Trump was still president 
and uh, he didn't have to move out of the White House when he did to let Joe and Jill move in. How would he handle this? Well, he's a business guy. You know he would have handled it. What would he have done? He would have met with everybody involved in this from top to bottom and would have cut deals with every one of them to make sure this didn't happen in October after a president took an oath of office on January 20th. That's February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. That's nine months later. That's plenty of time. This could have been fixed. I promise you this could have been fixed up front if real leadership was in place, but it's not. You want to segue over to the COVID-19, the CDC, the FDA, and all the other crud that's out there that's important? Guess what happened yesterday? Former CDC and Director Robert Redfield said that more than 40% of people who have recently died from COVID-19 in Maryland were fully vaccinated. Did you hear that? 40% of people who have died in Maryland. COVID-19, official cause of death, 40% fully vaccinated. Just a little bit ago, we had Pastor David Scarlett on, and I told him and you, if you were listening it's reported that 52% of all the, the deaths in September across the United Kingdom, 52% of them happened to peoples who had official COD, cause of death of COVID-19. 52% of them had been fully vaccinated. Redfield said this, a lot of times people feel it's a rare event that fully vaxxed people die. I happen to be the senior advisor to Governor Hogan in Maryland. In the last six to eight weeks, more than 40% of people who died in Maryland were fully vaccinated. Hmm. Colin Powell, General Colin Powell, he died. Time of his death from COVID complications, he was also fighting a blood cancer that lowers the ability to stave off infection. 65.7% of adults in the state of Maryland today are fully vaxxed. Redfield was CDC director. You remember that under President Trump. He currently works as an advisor for Maryland's Governor Larry Hogan, who's a Republican. Redfield's comments come as the Biden administration continues to push for booster shots. And while the FDA works to approve mixing boosters from different companies. It's just hard to believe this is still going on around the world. As we told you, the UK, 52%. Deaths from COVID, 52% were fully vaccinated. What about in Asia? Singapore, which has a COVID vax rate of 82%. Singapore. If you don't know where Singapore is, it's on way down at the bottom of Malaysia, It used to be part of Malaysia, but it seceded years ago and became its own little island nation. Singapore, one of the wealthiest areas in the world, they have a vax rate of 82%. Yesterday recorded its highest single-day increase in locally transmitted cases with 4,000 confirmed infections in one day. 82% vaccinated. 
The government there tightened restrictions on in-person dining and social gatherings in the metropolis back in September. Late September is part of an effort to help reduce the transmission of the virus. In the three weeks since, the city-state's COVID caseload has mushroomed. Singapore reported 1,647 new cases on that day in September the 27th. That's when they started the tightening. By the next day, new cases topped 2,000 for the first time, and they've not fallen below 2,000 a day since. A week later, October 5th, the country reported more than 3,000 cases. Now, you may poopah this. Oh, we know. Those PCR tests are not valid all the time. There's a bunch of false positives that come out. You want to stick with that? <laughs> you want to make that your thought process? That may be right, folks. But don't let anybody tell you there's not some there there. This is a nasty disease. I have a close friend right now today who's younger than me, a healthy guy. He got COVID-19. He is today in intensive care and has been there for three and a half weeks. He's on, thankfully, the downside of a really bad case of COVID. But it's the real deal, folks. It is the real deal. Don't denigrate it. It's real. And as uh, we discussed this morning with Pastor David Scarlett, you got to find the truth. And the truth begins with God. Novel idea. Turn to somebody who's got some answers rather than some uh, conspiracy theories. And speaking of conspiracy theories, guess what? Fauci has been exposed, publicly has been exposed. How so and about what? Don't go anywhere. That's next at TNN Live. The Miller Lite Home Draft gives you the great Pilsner taste of Miller Lite on draft in your fridge. And it stays fresh for up to 30 days. And fresh is a lot better than stale. You don't go outside for a breath of stale air. Catching a stale water fish? Bet it has three eyes and a hoof. Brewing a stale pot of coffee? That's one grande stinks a latte. Ah, the smell of stale cut grass. FYI, I'm knee high in manure. Serving snacks and restalements at your party? That's a real party pooper, Padre. A stale baked cookie? Goes great with a warm glass of shut your trap, chap. Stale-squeezed OJ? Exqueeze me, but no J. If your buddy tells you he's keeping things stale, he needs to change his underpants. Need to restale your web browser? Try www.getaclue.nerd. Don't get stale with me. That's just gross. So why drink stale beer when you can have up to 30 days of fresh draft beer in your fridge? The Home Draft from Triple Hops Brewed Miller Lite. Taste greatness. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Great beer, great responsibility. Welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order? Yeah, I'll have a pre-meeting pump-up, a Monday fixer, and a screaming boss recovery. So that's one peppermint mocha, one McCafe frappe, and one fruit smoothie? Yep. Name your drink. McDonald's has it. We're your destination for those special flavors that help you get through your day. Get any small McCafe smoothie, frappe, shake, or espresso drink for only $2. Even the delicious new peppermint mocha. For a limited time, price and participation may vary. Shakira presents the new Oral-B 3D White Toothpaste. What's behind Shakira's smile? Doing what she loves. Introducing the new Oral-B 3D White Toothpaste. 
It removes up to 90% of surface stains in just five days for a whiter and shinier smile. Try new Oral-B 3D White Toothpaste. Do the things you love. Oral-B, clinically proven cleaning and whitening. Violence, screaming obscenities, heated arguments, angry crowds. Roller derby? Nah. Election season. And your voice of calm is truthnewsnet.org. Oh my goodness, Dan. No, this is not election season. Yeah, it is. We got a gubernatorial election coming up in just days in Virginia, a really big one. And we're just getting started now, folks. We've got next November, that'll, that'll be here before you can even blink. We've got a complete federal election. Every member, 435 of them that hold seats in the U.S. House of Representatives, they're up for re-election every two years, November. It's going to be just around the corner. Many have already started campaigning. I know, I know. Isn't it horrible to have to deal with campaigns and all the the craziness and the misinformation that we get? But it's part of being an American, folks. It's not going to change. It's not going to get any better. Might as well buckle in and find the facts. Speaking of facts... Molecular biologist, a guy named Richard Ebright, yesterday posted a letter from the National Institute of Health showing that a grant from the NIH did, I repeat, did fund gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And that is contrary to what Dr. Anthony Fauci has testified to multiple times in the U.S. Senate. Fauci testified to senators in a hearing in May that the NIH, and I'll quote the doctor, has not ever and does not now fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. But the NIH's letter to House Oversight Committee Ranking Member James Comer showed that the NIH grant, which was awarded to EcoHealth Alliance, and then sub-awarded to the Wuhan lab, it funded a research project during 2018 and 19 that tested, quote, if spike proteins from naturally occurring bat coronaviruses circulating in China were capable of binding to the human ACE2 receptor in a mouse model. Let me just dumb that down to you. That's the definition of -of gain-of-function research. The letter added, in this limited experiment, laboratory mice infected with the SHCO14WIV bat coronavirus became sicker than those infected with the WTV1 bat coronavirus. In other words, that SHCO14, that was gain-of-function It was artificially created. According to the DHS, gain-of-function research is research that improves the ability of a pathogen, like a virus, to cause disease. Ebright tweeted that in a letter. The NIH corrects untruthful assertions by NIH Director Francis Collins 
and NIAID director Anthony Fauci that National Institutes of Health had not funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan. Furthermore, Dr. Ebright noted that the NIH's letter appeared to show that EcoHealth Alliance violated the terms and conditions of that specific grant. The NIH said, quote, out of an abundance of caution and as an additional layer of oversight, language was included in the terms and conditions of the grant award to EcoHealth that outlined criteria for a secondary review, such as a requirement that the grantee report immediately a one-log increase in growth. It continued, These measures would prompt a secondary review to determine whether the research aims should be reevaluated or a new biosafety measure should be enacted. EcoHealth has failed to report this finding right away. It was required by the terms of the grant. So, Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci and Francis Collins, NIH director. They both, numerous times, testifying before Congress, adamantly said no gain-of-function research was ever funded by the federal government. Senator Rand Paul, time after time after time, took Fauci on in these hearings, and they, they went after it. Fauci called Rand Paul a liar. Rand Paul called Fauci a liar. Rand Paul presented the evidence that you just heard that proved that it was false. Now, let me ask you this. I guess you heard that uh, the House January 6th committee, whatever the fancy name is, um, they have passed a motion and they have sent to the Department of Justice their recommendation that they subpoena and because one person did not come before them and honor their subpoena, that person should be criminally charged by the federal government for doing so. Um, Answer this for me. Which is more egregious? Not answering or not replying or responding to a congressional subpoena or lying under oath numerous times about the same exact thing, which is in itself, folks, a criminal act. Lying to Congress is a criminal act. Ignoring a congressional subpoena, not so much. So let me ask you this. Can you see that committee or anybody, any committee in the House of Representatives, agreeing to a criminal referral to the Department of Justice for Dr. Anthony Fauci lying to Congress under oath numerous times? Do you think that'll ever happen? Heck no, it's not going to happen. There's a whole lot of new information about COVID-19 that's coming out on a daily basis. All that being said, the official COVID narrative continues to blame the pandemic on the unvaccinated. But the data show that areas with a high vax rate, we just mentioned Singapore, also, like Israel, continue to have significant COVID spread. 
As noted from the Harvard Center for Population and Development Studies and another doctor in the European Journal of Epidemiology, vaccines currently are the primary mitigation strategy to combat COVID around the world. For instance, the narrative related to the ongoing surge of new cases here in the U.S. is argued to be driven by areas with low vax rates. A similar narrative has also been observed in countries like Germany and the United Kingdom. At the same time, Israel, that was hailed for its swift and high rates of vaccine vaccinations, has also seen a big resurgence in COVID cases. Why is that? Why is that? Well, if there were any doubt for the need to seriously question the worldwide mass injection campaign, and it's not just here, folks. It's everywhere around the globe. Yesterday, FDA approved vaccinating our kids. I mean, little kids, 5 to 11 years old. If there's any question about it, this should put it to rest. Iceland and Portugal, both of which have more than 75% of their populations fully vaccinated, have more COVID-19 cases per 1 million people than Vietnam and South Africa, which only each have about 10% of their population fully vaccinated. Iceland and Portugal, 75% vaxxed. Vietnam and South Africa, 10% vaxxed. Yet Iceland and Portugal have more cases than do South Africa and Vietnam. Israel, another example. More than 60% of its population fully vaxxed. It had the highest number of COVID-19 cases per million people in the last seven days on the planet. The data from the U.S. counties were similar with new COVID cases per 100,000 people, largely similar regardless of the number, the percentage of the population that are vaccinated. There also appears to be no significant signaling of COVID cases decreasing with higher percentages of those fully vaccinated. Out of the five counties with the highest vaccination rates in the U.S., ranging from 84.3% to 99% fully vaxxed, four of them were on the U.S. CDC transmission, high transmission list. Meanwhile, 26% of the 57 counties with low transmission have low vaccination rates of under 20%. And that study even accounted for a month-long lag time that could occur among the fully vaxxed since it said that it takes two weeks after the second dose for full immunity to occur. Still, no discernible association between COVID cases and levels of of fully vaccinated was observed. You know, isn't it interesting when facts like this come out, and these are facts, folks. These are facts. When they come out like this, they'll either sweep them under the rug, maybe they'll poopah them, they being the mainstream media and the far left that have turned this whole COVID thing into a, a political charade, plays out nonstop 24-7 and has for almost two years now. Facts don't even matter. They're not even part of this conversation, kind of like the illegal immigration thing. It's not even immigration, folks. (laughs) It's not immigration. Immigration is a process. It's a process that's set up with legalities included 
and a skeletal structure that directs every part of it. This administration, they just turned their backs on the rule of law, on laws. And Congress, that's not illegal immigration happening down at the southern border of Texas and New Mexico and Arizona and California. It's just open borders. Throw open the doors and let them come. That is not immigration. But this is kind of the same thing. One study summed up several reasons why the sole reliance on vaccination as a primary strategy against COVID, it's time to be reevaluated. For starters, the vaccine's effectiveness, it's slipping. One report from Israel's Ministry of Health showed that Pfizer's injection was only 39% effective in preventing infection. That's substantially lower than the trial efficacy of 96%, from 96% all the way down to 39% in just months. A substantial decline in immunity from mRNA vaccine six months post-immunization has also been reported. Adding that the even severe hospitalization and deaths from COVID which the jabs claim to offer protection against, have increased. Excuse me. When you're on a live microphone, sometimes you get a frog. (laughs) The jabs offer, the claim to offer protection, have increased from 0.01 to 9% and 0 to 15.1% respectively, among the fully vaxxed from January 21 to May 21. If the jabs work as advertised, why haven't these rates continued to rise instead of fall? It's also emerging, the researchers noted, that immunity from the Pfizer vaccine may not be as strong as immunity acquired through recovery from the COVID virus. Experts, with the term experts in quotation marks, they don't want to talk about this. Herd immunity. They don't want to talk about it, folks, and uh, that's just a fact. While breakthrough cases continue among those who have been vaccinated, it's really rare to get reinfected by COVID after you've already had the disease and recovered. How rare? I mean, this herd immunity thing? Well, researchers from Ireland conducted a systematic review that included 615,000 people who have recovered from COVID with a maximum duration of follow-up of more than 10 months. Reinfection, this report concluded, is uncommon. No study reporting an increase in the risk of reinfection over time. The absolute reinfection rate ranged from 0% to 1.1%, while the median reinfection rate was just 0.27%. And there's another study one that followed 43,000 antibody-positive people for up to 35 weeks. Only 0.7% were reinfected. When genome sequencing was applied to estimate population-level risk of reinfection, the risk was estimated at 0.1%. Folks, the facts are out there. They're out there. Why does the CDC, why does the NIH, why does Anthony Fauci, why do all of the political doctors in the Biden administration, why do they ignore 
all of these facts, if they're in this to protect the American people, which they say they are, and let's hope they are, every day it looks like they're not in it for that purpose because we're not hearing about these things. Anthony Fauci a year ago was touting herd immunity. Now, oh, he demeans it. It is nothing like taking the vaccination. Take the vaccination. Even if you've had the disease, take the vaccination. If the vaccination works, why demand that people take a booster? Why demand wearing a mask? Why demand social distancing? There's only one answer to any of this, and Americans are learning every day exactly what it is. The vaccines aren't working. And then the political side. Oh, my gosh. CDC issued last-minute changes to its school reopening guidance. Remember that? Not because of science. It happened after two prominent teachers' unions asked the CDC to do so. This is according to some emails. It's been confirmed. The emails were obtained through a Freedom of Information Act request by the watchdog and published online, and it shows a string of communications between the CDC and the National Education Association and the American Federation of Teachers, the nation's second largest teachers union and one of the top donors to, by the way, the Democrat Party. Multiple emails show that both of the teachers' unions also received a copy of the CDC guidance in advance pertaining to the reopening of K-12 schools right before the CDC released it to the general public. These documents are further evidence that instead of following the science, the White House and the CDC allowed politics to be the deciding factor. One such email from a senior director in one of the unions to CDC director Rochelle Walensky shows that union suggesting alterations be made to the CDC's guidance just one day before the policy was public. Thank you for your continued openness to our suggestions and input, it said. We would like to share some thoughts regarding the paragraph below which was apparently leaked from the imminent guidance on reopening schools. The paragraph reads this way. At any level of community transmission, all schools can provide in-person instruction, either full or hybrid, through strict adherence to mitigation strategies. Recommended learning modes vary to minimize the risk of COVID-19 transmission in school by emphasizing layered mitigation, including school policies that require universal and correct mask use. The recommended learning models in person and hybrid depend on the level of community transmission and strict adherence to mitigation. So within that email, this expert from the union says that it would be great if the CDC insert the line, quote, in the event high community transmission results from a new variant of covid a new update of these guidelines may be necessary. The union leader goes on to cite concerns over the likely implications the language will have in schools where it's difficult to stick to strict mitigation strategies due to them being located in high-density, crumbling infrastructure areas 
and particularly when community transmission is high. We don't believe that any current research has demonstrated that all schools in those areas can safely reopen. This is a union, a union talking to the experts, the doctors, the Centers for Disease Control, the ones that give us all the facts, right? Horse hockey. I'm sad to say that at this point in my life as an American man, I'm just another American, folks. Yeah, I've got a microphone stuck in front of my face. This is not who I am. This is what I do. I'm an American man. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a grandfather. I'm a brother. I'm a brother-in-law. My life circles interacts with so many different people. I want the facts. And I don't want anybody telling me what they're saying is factual when it's not, especially if they are premeditatedly telling me lies. You know how you can tell when Dr. Anthony Fauci is lying to the American people? When his lips are moving. Long time ago, when I was a kid, my dad said, when I would get upset because one of my friends lied to me, I'd ask dad, what do I do? And he said, well, why don't you do this? Has he ever lied to you before? Yeah, he has, dad. Well, then how are you ever going to know which thing he tells you is truthful? If somebody lies to you and you find out about it, how in the world, folks, especially regarding life and death decisions, can you trust that person to ever tell you the truth about anything? It might be a lie. When you're fed up with the nagging heartburn of today's lies, how do you spell relief? TNN, the Truth News Network. At Sternberger, our cars are more than just hunks of metal that take you from point A to point B. They are also composed of industrial plastics, polymers, and rubbers. We also know it's what's in the car that is more important than the car itself. And that's why it can also carry up to 300 kilograms of human, animal, or consumer goods cargo. The climate control device brings the air temperature to 22 degrees Celsius. It's our way of making our cars comfortable for the majority of mammal species. In fact, it is a perfect vessel for transport from short to medium distances, and we believe that the price we are asking is a fair trade for the value transfer to the consumer. Sternberger. More than just an auto. Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Gopperts from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the french fries. Bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy. The white, round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks? Fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, you ate a holiday ball. (gasps) We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo. But they're not for dessert. They're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent. Guardian of the Truth. Knight of the Republic. Speaker of the Facts. Dan Newman. On TNN. The Truth News Network. Let me ask you a question. 
we have White House Press Secretary, Media Director, whatever you want to call her, Jen Psaki. She's thrust in front of us almost daily in these White House press briefings. Have you noticed any changes in her personality or the way she handles herself? It seems to me like, and and I don't I don't sit in front of a television and watch those daily reviews. There's too much going on, but typically what will happen, I'll either catch part of them live, maybe I'll walk through when they're doing them and just catch a tidbit here and there, but typically what I do is I, I, I go back and look for segments that are posted from the things that she says and the questions she's asked and the way she answers them because there's some pretty significant information that comes out of this White House, any White House, and American citizens need to know. But yesterday, it was interesting. There was a conversation going on about mandates, mandates. And um, Peter Ducey from Fox News asked a question and basically caught her in a lie. Listen to this back and forth. If the whole point of a vaccine mandate is to make people safer, but a vaccine mandate also means tons of police and military may walk off the job, then at the end of the day, does a vaccine mandate make people safer? Well, where are tons of police and military walking off the job? Well, the Washington Post says that hundreds of thousands of U.S. service members remain unvaccinated, uh, which is leading to questions about possible military readiness. Uh, the L.A. County Sheriff says that 5 to 10% of their workforce could walk off the job. And so considering the, I mean, is there any concern about that? Well, I would say what we point to or what I would point you to is evidence with uh, a range of companies, organizations, Frankly, the Department of Defense can also give you the up-to-date statistics on members of the military. I believe it's over 90%, but I would point you them for statistics. But there are other problems in the world than COVID-19. International terror, gang violence, murder, arson, drug dealing. Is there any concern? What was the the number one cause of death among police officers last year? Do you know? COVID-19. So that's something that we're working to address. And police departments are working to address. If you look at Seattle, as an example, which I know has been in some of the reporting, 92% of the police force is vaccinated, as are 93% of firefighters. 99% of Seattle's 11,000 employees have submitted vaccine verification or an exemption request. Safety, though, all these other problems, terror, murder, robberies, kidnappings, is there any concern that if police forces shrink or if the size of the ready military force shrinks, that the United States or localities may not be equipped properly to deal with Peter, more than 700,000 people have died of COVID. Uh, Again, it was the number one cause of death among police departments and police officers. It's something that we should take seriously. Departments are trying to save people in their departments, people who work for them. We support that effort. All we hear are talking points. This White House refuses to answer with real answer, answer questions, legitimate questions. I mean, let's face it. She, you just heard the number one communicator in the White House, the Biden administration. You just heard her basically say, we don't give a rip about what's going on. We don't have to answer your questions. Peter Ducey was asking her the concerns about people that are walking away from their jobs in law enforcement. And she even mentioned Seattle, folks. 
and a story was released yesterday afternoon about Seattle cops walking off the job already in record numbers while crime spikes in Seattle. Who's going to take care of that? Real leadership. I don't care what it's in. It can be in a group of friends as kids, or it could be in a state, in government, in a state, or in a company. Real leadership means there are some responsibilities that go along with being in leadership, especially if you are the leader. Number one is everybody that's in that group needs to know what is required of each individual in the group. An explanation of how it's structured the operations of that group and the responsibilities that go along with being a part of it. And then somebody has to assign or they have to agree on who is going to be responsible for what. And then somebody has to hold everybody responsible for either completing those things or not completing them. That's not happening in this administration. Nobody's taking accountability for any of the obvious things that are happening. Do you understand today there are still an unnamed number of Americans that are locked up in Afghanistan in fear of their lives because this president did not, in his administration, make plans to get every American out of Afghanistan before the military pulled out. Nobody's addressing that. Whoever those Americans are over there, they basically, at this White House, they don't give a rip anymore. They're not doing anything. And they won't even talk about it. Do you know that 2 million people, 2 million people have been accosted at the southern border? Actually, the number is 1.7 million. But that doesn't include what they call the gotaways at the southern border. 2 million. It's estimated the gotaways were about 300,000. So that means there are 2 million people that are here. Most of them are here because the Biden administration has deported very, very small numbers. They won't give us any numbers of anything. Do you realize what that means to life in America? Do you realize what the crime rate looks like? They won't even talk about this one two years ago, folks. Two years ago in the state of Texas. These are official criminal statistics released by the Texas Department of Safety, the DPS. 600,000 felonies were committed by illegal aliens, not immigrants. They had not gone through a legal immigration process, so therefore they weren't illegal immigrants. They were illegal aliens. 600,000 felony acts committed against Texans in a two-year period by illegals. That's just one state. 600,000. How does Joe Biden reconcile that being okay to the point of continuing, not just to allow it to happen the same way, but to encourage it and watch it ramp up in numbers. And we don't know what the crime real picture, the stats are in Texas about this. They're down there trying to keep their their citizens of the state protected with no help 
from this administration. This administration lets them come over 1.7 million. There's not even a COVID testing plan in place. And they want to say Donald Trump? Donald Trump was an idiot? That he was inhumane? No, no, no. His oath of office was not to citizens of Nicaragua and Honduras and Haiti. His oath of office was the same that this president took to serve and protect the people of the United States with the rule of law, by the rule of law, and everything within the U.S. Constitution. Joe Biden, he burned up the Constitution the day before he took the oath of office. He's not enforcing it. His administration is not enforcing numerous laws and doing so purposely, which is a violation and an impeachable offense. Donald Trump was impeached twice for doing nothing illegal. Joe Biden is being patted on the back while Americans, everyday Americans in the streets, those people that are keeping stores open and beauty, beauty places, hair places, restaurants in these towns and cities across our southern border, ranchers down there, law enforcement people, school teachers, principals, everyday people are having to constantly look over their shoulders and be careful because the nation is full of people that Biden and his crew have allowed to come in. Nobody knows who they are. We have some ideas of where they came from. We have some suspicions, but we have no facts because of the total lack of leadership coming from this administration. And this supply chain thing, here's another example. How could this president ignore it for nine months? He never once talked about it for nine months. Those same 200 ships or one that others just like them that are sitting across from Los Angeles Harbor out on the Pacific, anchored out there waiting to be called in to unload approximately 200. There were 200 the day he took office. It's all a product of the the pandemic and the egregious lockdowns, especially by Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, shut everything down. That means dock workers were not working. Ships couldn't be unloaded. No planning. No preparation on the part of this president, still to this day, none. A group of 160 Republican lawmakers signed a letter, sent it to the president, urging him to reevaluate his priorities and address this supply chain and ports crisis. The letter was led and signed by Representative Sam Graves, a Republican from Missouri. He's the ranking member of the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, and also signed by lawmakers, including House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. McCarthy shared the letter yesterday, writing, Mr. President, it's time for you to reevaluate your priorities. We got to address our supply chain and ports crisis before Congress considers any additional social spending and taxation legislation. Industries across the U.S. facing acute bottlenecks in supply chains. 
Things like material and worker shortages, as well as the skyrocketing prices of materials, driven by the pandemic, but driven by this lack of leadership and the solving of the supply chain demand. Consumers are now faced with empty shelves, higher prices, on top of massively rising inflation costs. About a quarter of a million containers of goods are stacked up on the docks, primarily in Los Angeles, to delayed pickups from chassis shortages, a lack of space in rail yards, warehouses. That's causing dozens of ships to back up and anchor outside the ports. We got to address the global supply chain and ports crisis before Congress even considers additional social spending and taxation legislation. Our priority right now should be strengthening the nation's economy, increasing our global competitiveness. That letter, I got it's going to fall on deaf ears, even if he reads it. Joe Biden is doing exactly what he planned to do. Not what he told us he was going to do if he was elected, but all along, this has been a plan bubbling underneath the surface. It wasn't put together by Joe Biden. It was put together by his handlers. Who are they? I can only guess, but Barack Obama is in the middle of it, as are some of the sycophants from the Obama administration of eight years, and Joe Biden is simply a foil to implement their plans. I am totally open if you want to call at 378-866-378-7884. That's 1-866-37-TRUTH. And tell me I'm wrong. Tell me how I'm wrong. I want to hear from you because I really want to believe there's something better than what we're watching play out on the national stage every day. So we're looking forward at an election season. Starts with the Virginia governor election that's coming up in a few days. And it's hotly contested. It's kind of amazing. There's a Republican, Yunkin, that is running against Terry McAuliffe. Terry McAuliffe has been in politics. He's been a Democrat, um, very much out-in-your-face public figure for decades. Yunkin, nobody's ever heard of him. Yunkin is running his campaign almost primarily by going around Virginia and meeting directly with voters, Virginians. McAuliffe is using big war chest of Democrat Party donor dollars trying to maintain control of that state, which used to be a purple state. In other words, a mix of Republicans and Democrats. It's not any longer, folks. It is very, very, very blue. Democrats control Virginia, but the Virginian people have awakened to the horrible leadership in which they've uh, been subjected to. That's just the beginning of this. Democrats are learning a lot. Trey Gowdy, who I really, really like. I liked him a lot when he was in the U.S. Congress serving in the House of Representatives from South Carolina. He's now, he does a show on weekends on Fox News. Trey Gowdy weighed in. And listen closely to what he had to say about the Democrats in politics and what they're doing and what they're not doing today. Mark Twain famously said, the report of my death was an exaggeration. So too in politics. In 2008, President Barack Obama swept into office with majorities in the House and the Senate. It was the end of the Republican Party, they said. 
the party must change. Political obituaries were written. And then two years later, President Obama lost the House. And then four years later, he lost the House and the Senate. In 2016, President Donald Trump won the presidency and had majorities in both the House and the Senate. Four years later, Republicans were out and Democrats controlled everything. The good thing about democracy is there's always another election on the horizon. If passed as prologue, election night in 2022 will be a long one for Democrats. History tells us that. Polling currently tells us that. The Democrats are facing several headwinds. The pandemic is still here. The economy is sputtering. The supply chain is backlogged. People are concerned about the border and crime and education. We know from history what's likely to happen in the midterms. The question is, why does it always seem to happen? Do political parties overread election results? I mean, that seems true right now. Democrats control the Senate, but only because they control the tiebreaker. If not for Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, Democrats wouldn't control the Senate at all. In fact, if not for a poor performance in two Georgia Senate races, Democrats wouldn't control the Senate. How much of a mandate can you have if your power comes from a senator in West Virginia, a state where Biden didn't win a single solitary county? I mean, seriously, how much of the Biden agenda do you think West Virginia wants to see implemented? Perhaps the American people like checks and balances. Perhaps we like change. Or perhaps this is how people respond when political parties forget about them. They create legislative chaos. History and current polling suggest we're headed back toward legislative gridlock in the fall of 2022. The question is, will those currently in power finally figure out the American people want competence, not transformation. They want a better America, not a different America. Americans have more in common with Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema than they do the squad, even if the media doesn't. Will Republicans put their differences and ambitions aside long enough to let history and the American people restore balance? Or will Georgia repeat itself? Conventional wisdom would be, <clears throat> because of all the bad stuff that's happening, the obvious bad stuff that's in all of our faces during this administration, that there's going to be an automatic flip that next year in November when the uh, con congressional elections happen, that uh, Republicans will retake control in the House. That might be, but it might not be. Nevertheless, it doesn't matter who controls either House or even the White House, politically, party-wise. It doesn't matter if the right things aren't done. And so just because the Republicans are in a good spot to win back the House doesn't mean they will, and even if they do, it doesn't automatically mean that things are going to get better. Trey Gowdy asked a great question. Are Republicans committed to do the right thing if they win back the House? We saw when Donald Trump was elected, he got a mandate from the American people, no question about it. Hey, we want change. We're tired of this crazy, far, far left stuff that the Obama administration and Joe Biden have been shoving down our throats for eight years. We want to go back to freedom. We want to go back to justice we want to go back to the rule of law, liberty, fairness. Even with that, at his first midterm election, Donald Trump lost control of the House and the Senate. There's no guarantee about any of this stuff, folks. 
There are three co-equal branches in our government, the executive branch, the judiciary branch, and of course the legislative branch. Congress, with the president, make together and execute all the laws that govern our nation. If they don't have everything straight, it doesn't matter who serves in those, those two offices. If they don't have everything straight and are not totally committed to serve those who elected them from their various states and districts, if they don't abide by what the people in their district sent them to Washington to do, none of the stuff is going to work. It doesn't matter what the political narrative is or what the direction is that people want to go. You're not going there unless the people that have the power to make us go in that direction decide we're going to honor the people and we're going to do what they told us to do. Senator John Kennedy weighed in with some very salient information. Uh, And I want to get to him. And we've got much, much more. We're running out of town, out of time. 15 minutes left in the show. One more break when we come back. Senator John Kennedy, you don't want to miss this. Oh no, there's water everywhere. Dad, a pipe broke. My poor carpet. We need a plumber. And fast. Roto-Rooter does plumbing. We need somebody to clean up this water. And Roto-Rooter does water cleanup. As soon as I can find the phone in all this water, I'm calling a bunch of people. I told you, Roto-Rooter does both. 1-800-GET-ROTO. Wait, Roto-Rooter does plumbing? And water cleanup? Yeah, they do both. 1-800-GET-ROTO. What's What's their their number? Call Roto-Rooter, that's the name. And away go troubles down the drain. Tired of waiting for your tax refund? The certified tax professionals at ATAX can help you get every dollar you deserve. Come in for a free refund estimate. Call 866-999-2829. With more than 40 offices in the U.S., there's an ATAX office near you, and they're open seven days a week. Let ATAX put their 25 years of experience to work for you. For your free refund estimate, call ATAX at 866-999-2829 or go online to ATAX.com. Hello? They're lying to you. Um, lying? Who is this? You think you two are happy? I'm sorry, I... You think you're in a good relationship? You're living a lie. You're being deceived. They're fried. Uh, what? In oil. What exactly are we talking about here? Your nuts. My nuts? Your nuts. Your precious snack nuts are fried in oil. Ugh. No one ever told me they were fried. I thought they were a good choice. You didn't hear it from me, but Fisher oven roasted nuts are never fried. They're just nuts. Oven roasted with sea salt. That's it. Huh. What a nice man. Fisher oven roasted nuts. Never fried. Nothing to hide. When the lie becomes the norm, speaking the truth becomes a revolutionary act. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. Whatever it is, whoever it is, people want more control and more power over everything in their lives. Have you kept up with what's coming down the pike in this um these two bills that are pending before Congress. One being, they call it an infrastructure bill. It's full of pork. It's full of uh, 
partisan handouts dole out of federal tax dollars. And then, of course, the budget reconciliation bill, the $3.5 trillion one, folks. It's full. It's 2,200 pages of nothing but top-down regulatory giveaways, some of the scariest stuff you can possibly imagine. One little thing, it seems like every day, something new that is discovered finds its way into the public purview, but one little thing in it, the IRS wants to start looking and demanding banks make available to them information on any and all Americans who have $600 worth of transactions in their accounts. Think about that now. Why would the IRS want that? Of course, they say from the top down what it's supposed to all be about this section is stopping the tax cheats. You know what they say again and again? The wealthiest people in America pay no taxes, which is not true in any way, but they want to stop the tax cheats. Let me ask you this. Are the people that are cheating and they're not paying taxes, are those people the ones that go through $600 in their account? (laughs) Maybe $600,000. So what is really at stake with this power grab by the IRS? the weaponization against the American people. It is a power grab. My good friend, one of my U.S. senators from the state of Louisiana, John Kennedy, he's kind of known as a Mark Twain of politics today. He comes up with some of the, the greatest sayings about everything. He weighed into this on the floor of the Senate yesterday. Here's Senator John Kennedy. I, I used to collect taxes for the state of Louisiana. Uh, I had a, my, my title was like, Secretary of the Department of Revenue or something, but but I was a tax collector. Um, of course, there's a tax gap. Duh. I mean, I mean, uh, we have a voluntary system. And when we first imposed an income tax in America, and the constitutionality of it was litigated, I, I think our lawmakers in our judicial branch decided, well, we need to strike a balance here between people's privacy. I'm not sure they used the word privacy then, but between people's private privacy and public policy of catching people who, t- who cheat. And the way you do that is through audits. Um, and the IRS, look, it's, it's an extraordinarily inefficient agency. Any of you have a tax question? Go call the IRS this afternoon. See what happens. You can't even get them on the phone. I I mean, it's ludicrous. What are they going to do with all this data? Um, The the second point I want to make, I don't think you can understate the risk that that this data could leak. I I mean, we, we just had an instance uh, some of my colleagues talked about it, where where uh, uh, financial data of taxpayers was leaked, I think, by the IRS. And the IRS said they'd get the bottom to the bottom of it. Have you heard anything? Have you all asked? I haven't. You know what we want. And and we remember what happened with, with Lois Lerner. You know, it just depends on what kind of, I've talked too long, it depends on what kind of state you want to live in. You, do you folks really want to live in a in a state 
where the government knows every one of, of, your, of the intimate details of your life, including finances. If you do, I hear China's beautiful this time of year. China's beautiful this time of year. <laughs> uh, he is a statesman, but putting in, in, in perspective, the big picture is there. Um, I got to be honest with you. The federal government has far too great of access into things in our lives now than you can ever imagine. I have a friend who is the highest non-appointed person in the United States Treasury that has been through the last few presidential administrations. He's the one that he stays just simply because he knows everything. They got to have a non-political person, somebody that's, you know, in operations that can help assist the move from administration to administration. And it's amazing the information that he is able to pass along or occasionally tell me is going on and what types of things our federal government not only can do, but does on a daily basis. It's like an everyday thing. It would scare all of us if we knew exactly what our government already knows about us. But yet still the IRS and this administration wants the IRS to even have access to more of what you do and what you have and how you use your money. And they say they need it, to stop tax cheating. I don't believe any big tax cheaters are in the $600 in their checking account range. You know what I mean? And yet, to just kind of um, enlighten you on how egregious is this top-down, push-down, control-seeking government, they think we won't even pick up on the purpose for them trying to get that access. They think Americans are too stupid to understand what's going on. Like, for instance, I mentioned at the top of the show, we were talking about interaction with uh, Adam Schiff on a tweet about that federal election bill, the Freedom to Vote Act. Um, All it is, it's a grab by the Democrats who want to take the election processes away from the individual states and federalize it so they can control everything out of Washington, D.C. Can you imagine what that would look like? Election process having to be run by one place, one entity in Washington. They are so inefficient now, they can't run anything, one thing, and then you want to bring in 50 different election processes. The final vote to keep it from even coming to the floor yesterday, and the Senate was 51 to 49 against it, Senate Majority Leader Schumer said the Senate will consider the alternative John Lewis Voting Rights Amendments uh, Advancement Act sometimes later in the week. By voting no to even begin debate on it, Schumer said, Republicans are giving implicit endorsement of the hard, hard new voter suppression and election subversion laws passed in states across the country. Yeah, people want free and fair voting. They want legal voting. And that's horrid. A lot of these Democrats, like Chuck Schumer, also Nancy Pelosi, Adam Schiff, pretty much every out-and-out hardcore leftist, they want to seize control of elections. And you know what it's all about? You know what their end game is? I've told you this before, but I think in the environment in which we find ourselves living daily now in politics, you can believe it. 
it's because they, long-term, they want the election process gone. They want to do away with the elections, folks. They want us to give them unfettered power to choose leaders for us. That's a wrap on the day. Thank you for being here. Don't forget tomorrow, top of the show, Christopher Key of the Vaccine Police will be here. He's got a great story to tell you. He's got some very enlightening things to say to you, too. So we'll see you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. sharp here at TNN Live. Until then, enjoy your day. So long, everybody. Living out in the street, but well, I know.